Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tennessee Dudes Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Daniel. Across from me is my co-host, Ethan, and I have a Windows update that just wants to start right now, but I'm going to have to stop that. <laughs> Get out of here, Windows update. I have What a bad time for that to start. <laughs> <laughs> I have one that's wanting to go as well. It was like, I'm restarting why. your computer. It's like, I'm restarting your computer in 60 seconds if you don't click off of this. Yeah. Get out of here. Don't do that. <laughs> well, yours didn't give you as much time. Mine, mine did say at least four minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was like, what a weird time. What the heck is that? Well, anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, this is going to be episode know, 24. A little weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, we're, we're hanging out here. It's past nine o'clock my time out here on the East Coast. Uh, and for him, you know, a little bit not as late. Eight thirty. <laughs> yeah, you know, I but uh it's humid, there's a lot of pollen, I'm sneezing all the time, I hate it. Itchy, watery eyes. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are thinking about this spring so far, but if the wind could calm down, that would be great. Spring? I'd be down for that. I'm pretty know? sure it's winter <laughs> in the morning and summer in the afternoon. So. I was I was gonna say like oh, I'm not even getting that over here, man. We're just it's just summer. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like that type of weather where you go outside in the morning time because I I mean I leave the house at four o'clock, so I, it's it's cold for some reason. If it's below sixty five, I mean not sixty five, but if it's below fifty five, I'm cold, and I don't know why. I don't I don't think I've even like had a low below sixty five. That in... is wild in a while <laughs> so my wife and i actually went out and spent some time um university of tennessee was hosting regionals for softball um and they lost mm. awesome it was a great time <laughs> um but yeah <laughs> was, we went out the game there fun, though? oh we had a great time so the way that regionals works is it's like a small scale tournament mm -hmm. so each regional is is their own tournament and knoxville hosted um, the Knoxville Regional, which included four teams, and it's double elimination, so you can lose once and keep playing. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up, you know, watching four or five games. My wife ended up watching, like, six or seven because she went to a couple of games that I was working through. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was a great time, except for the fact that on Saturday it was, like, 95% humidity and 95 degrees. It was a hot one Saturday. And UV index was like ridiculous. Like yeah. I usually never wear sunscreen and I got out there and I was standing in it or sitting in it. And I was like, I'm going to put on some sunscreen. Otherwise I'm going to die. Well, sure I didn't enough, have to worry about the sun too much where I was, um, you know, but I was in a full tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just make sure the tips of your ears don't get burnt in your eye. Right. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, we had a great time uh, watching that this weekend. I was It was kind of hard for me because I'm trying to watch the game, and, and then I have my phone up on the OTV open, and it's really hard to see, you know, people play disc golf with the sun shining right on your screen. Oh, yeah. But uh, I was able to keep up with it really well. I'll tell you what, man. This is a good good tournament. I enjoyed it. It was it was very good. Very much appreciated. Uh the O2B Open this year, all the way around. Um, why don't you start running us through a little bit of what MPO did? Yeah, so, um, as you recall, last week, we did our picks 
And we both had Simon in the top three. However, I did pick him to win last week. And that's exactly what he did. At 20 down, um, shooting an eight down final round. Uh, then you had Calvin Heinberg tying him for the round at eight down. Uh, coming in second at 18 down. And then Aaron Gossage coming in third at 17 down. Also shooting eight down. Um, you had Anthony Barella just barely missed the podium. But uh, he did, however, qualify for the USDGC with that placement. Um, also Chandler Fry, Austin Hannum, and Mason Ford were able to clinch some USDGC spots through the OTB Open. Yep. Um, that The probably highlight of the weekend was seeing Simon so confident. Yes. Um, we haven't seen Simon play like that. I, I don't know if I've ever seen it. Um, I know that I came in a little late. Simon is my favorite player, but um, <laughs> I, I've never actually got to see him win anything except Memorial. Yeah, it's you know it's been a few years. Um, you know a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on in his life and all of our lives that have slowed him down a little bit between the injury, the pandemic, having a son. Obviously, some of those not so great, but some of you know those things have been really great for him. Um, and it's it's been a wild ride to watch, and I just I, I can't even explain how happy I am to see him back on top. Yeah, me too. And I mean. <laughs> Not to be overshadowed, but it wouldn't be a podium without Calvin Heinberg on it. You know, it's it's just like he's always there. He's always there. He has to be there, man. But like, you know, normally we would feel bad about Calvin not getting a win. But Team Vinny has won this year already. He has won. So we got to see Calvin kind of make a push there at the end. Uh, for Simon, it was a great final round to watch, and I overall really enjoyed the tournament. Um, I know it was on a golf course. However, it didn't present the feel of a golf course as much. Um, no. It was... Now, we'll, we'll go over that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was probably one of the better, you know, golf course layouts. Oh, 100%. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, you want me to go ahead and go over the FPO as well? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, uh, FPO, first place taking it down was Paige Pierce at 11 down, which, funny enough, that's what she entered the third round with. She ended up shooting an even-scored round, the final round. Natalie Ryan coming in second at 7 down. Um... I'm going to go ahead and say third place as well. Uh, coming in third, Juliana Corver at three down, shooting a four down round, and Ella Hansen barely missing the podium at one yeah, down. As well as, yeah, as well as Alexis Manhano. And Alexis uh, Manhano tied, tied, tied her fourth. Um, I'd like to start by, you know, first of all, congratulations to Paige. We'll get back to you here in a second. But uh, 
Juliana Corver, number one. Huge performance. Yes. Absolutely great performance out there. I was really excited to see what she brought to the table. Um, you know, shooting a four down in the final round to sneak her way up into that standing and get a podium, podium finish out there. And I mean, she um, had seven birdies, course too. like this. Seven yes. birdies. Yeah. That's no easy task. And then, of course, we have to talk about it. Um, yep. Natalie Ryan, just so close. It was. I, um, you know, she started out, so going into the second round, let's lay a little picture for you for the ones of you that did not watch it. Um, Paige was 11 down going to the, into the third round. Natalie Ryan was in second place still, but at two down. Nine strokes difference. And by hole 15, it was tied. Natalie Ryan had shot nine down, um, or seven down. Yeah, my bad. Had shot seven down. One, two, three, four. No, she she was nine down. Okay, yeah, nine down through fifteen. Golly, you look at that score card and it's ten birdies and a bogey. Wow, I mean, yeah, up until hole fifteen, you're talking she was on pace to match uh, Paige. Oh yeah, Uh, if not better for Paige's second round, which ended up being a 10 down, which was the first and one of only two 10 downs we saw yep. um, from either MPO or FPO, which, I mean, was was absolutely wild. I know when I was talking to some of the Hitting the Lines guys, um, there were a lot of, you know, questions on the first day of, you know, wow, these lines look really soft, and, you know, I can't imagine people not hitting these scores. And then... Um, right after I had seen the lines, um, I watched Brody Smith's practice round. Right. And I went through that whole course, which if you guys didn't know, is almost a complete redesign. 13 of the holes were brand spanking new this year. Yep. And I went back and I was like, I thought these lines were soft and I'm eating my words right now because let me tell you what, we're going to see a 10 down. Uh, I don't know how many. But I know we'll see one, but it'll be an absolute scorcher of a round on this course. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about ten twenty eight? I mean, I kind of feel like that was low. I know you messaged me over the weekend, and you was kind of thinking the same thing. Like it, it, it should have been a little higher. <laughs> I mean, compared to the strength and... of field, it's not like nobody, uh, everybody was there other than Kristen. So yeah, so ten twenty eight felt so soft and. This is one of those things where it's like, I know that the rating system is there for a reason, and it does a good job with certain things, but FPO needs to have its own rating scale. Because I completely agree. I don't know how you have Paige Pierce going out there throwing a 10 down and scoring three strokes over 1,000. Well, less than three strokes over a thousand. Yeah, technically, um, and I think that we we don't get a good idea of really what we're seeing in FPO ratings wise. I don't think it tells a very clear picture um, because their ratings still tend to veer towards what would a man at a thousand rated play this course as. Yes, and I don't think it's fair, honestly. I mean, in my mind, that has to be ten fifty or above rated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but 
I don't make the rating system. I don't design the algorithms. Who was it's the just, other one that shot sense. 10 down? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I was wanting to say that it was AB, but... It should have been. Yeah, Anthony Barella shot a 10 down on day two as well. What was his he rating score? On whole, uh, it was 1078, so I think. How does... So... Hmm. and par differences i get that but it's it does seem like it's always around 50 points like it it does seem like that you know even like they're saying like the 1050 boys are for fpo would be a thousand you know right I, I do wish that they had their own separate scale 100 percent. i i don't i think that the scaling needs to change if you're gonna have like separation of divisions like that because here's the thing for when we talk about ratings and separated divisions including the amateur divisions for you and i part of our ratings are based off of how the field plays right, right? so if i go out there and i play the same course that mpo plays my rating in my division is probably going to be higher than if i shot that same score on the same course and i was playing in the mpo division yep and I, I just agree. don't feel like the FPO scaling is correct. No. I don't either. Because I think we should be able to look at FPO and say, like, clearly define who is 1,000 rated. But we can't because none of them are 1,000 rated because yeah. the scaling's wrong. And none of them have been. No, one, no FPO has ever been 1,000 rated. No. And if, under the current scaling, I don't know that they will be for another decade. Paige got up to what nine ninety six once, and then but, she had one bad tournament and it dropped her back down to nine seventy eight. Yeah, and I don't. Again, I mean, the, you could say that she had nine ninety six, but it really depends on how, like, how much was included, how many of old scores are they dropping off, what are they balancing it from, whatever their algorithm is. But it didn't last. No, but it, it should. It didn't last, but it should. Yeah, you're talking. You're talking about. Paige Pierce, Kristen Tatar, and a couple other players that are sitting where in the MPO division, most people would consider the 1040 to 1060 rated guys. Exactly. Top fives. And they're sitting at 950. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> but we could ramble about that for a while. Yeah. But long story short, back to what actually happens. Uh, Natalie Ryan absolutely obliterated the course until hole 16. And then uh, she got the yips. Not unsurprising. I called it when, as soon as it happened, I said, if she goes into 17 and 18 with a tie or a one-stroke lead, she is losing this tournament. She needs a buffer. Right. Um, it's the first time she's ever been there. And it is likely not to be the last. But, you know, Paige Pierce is cool, calm, and collected, first of all played way too safe a hundred percent was playing completely soft we've been where seeing she absolutely that lately bad. but it wasn't like she <clears> played <throat> she wasn't playing like bad soft it was the i've got a 10 stroke lead soft exactly and it did not look good right yeah um but that still gave natalie the chance to come in and put the pressure on yeah and she did just that unfortunately she wasn't able to convert yeah. not surprising 
absolute, you know, monster performance. And I'm not going to detract from her performance just because of what happened on 17 and 18. Because let me tell you what, you can practice every shot in disc golf, but you can never practice the feeling of being that close to victory. Yeah. And when you might say, well, she's won other tournaments before. I'm sure, I'm sure she's won something before. But it's not an elite series. Right. It's not the pro tour. Maybe it's an A tier. Maybe it's a B tier. But it is not the pro tour. And you cannot practice the emotions that you feel in those situations. I agree. I do agree. There is probably a handful of FPO players that that can handle that. And that's because they're used to being at the top. And Paige yep. just happens to be one of them. You know? And she she knows how to finish. She knows how to win. She knows how to close out. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's nothing to take away from Natalie because that was just so impressive. Absolutely. Just to even come back on the third, the third round and make it interesting. Huge yeah, shout out. I don't, I don't care that you sit there and you might say, well, Paige was playing way too safe. She should have blown the entire field away. Well, she didn't. She went out there, she played safe, she threw some bad shots, and she got punished for it, and somebody took advantage of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, you know, it, it was exciting to watch, because I can't tell you, like, when I was on, on Sunday, I was at the one of the UT softball games while this was happening, and I remember I turned it on and I watched about the first four holes, right? And if you, you go through the first four holes, you had Paige go par, birdie, par, birdie. Now right. Ryan went um, birdie, 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 par. And I just kind of said, man, even if, if Natalie just blows the socks off this round, I just don't see it happening. Right. And so I ended up, I, I ended up turning it off for a little while and just checking the scores on UDisc. And I was like, I was like, I couldn't even see it anyway. So why am I trying to watch? Right. And I kept checking UDisc and I was like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh my gosh. By hole, 13, by hole 13, I had to turn it back on, even though I could barely see it, because it was like, what is Paige doing? <laughs> she's, she's just letting this happen, and Natalie's taking full advantage of it. Yeah. I, but I am glad that it did come down to the wire and get interesting. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes to see a blowout. And no. just like you said, you know, you turned it off, and there was a lot of people that did. Absolutely. No, I kept watching. You know, I was I was yeah, paying attention. Yeah, it's not I like I, yeah, it's you know? not like you. But as far but, as like watching live, yeah. When I, you see a blowout yeah. in a football game or a basketball game or whatever, it's it is you, you just kind of you'll have it up on the background, and then next thing you, you know, start, you're just kind of <laughs> on your phone. Checking Eventually, I start out. just you know scrolling through Twitter, exactly. And what what other people are saying about what's happening instead right. of actually watching it for myself. Exactly, like, well, I already know what's happening, right? Yeah. Yep. But I thought it was really funny because if you you take that interesting comparison where you had an, a ten stroke lead on the FPO side that turned into this ridiculous finish, whereas on the other side, you know Simon did not have a big lead no right but at the same time after three or four holes i was watching that and i was like 
barring monumental collapse, I have no fear right now. Like right. I, it I, just... I felt so good in the trust that he had in his own game that I almost felt like MPO ended up being a blowout, even though the score doesn't reflect it. Like it was almost just like Simon was never in any danger. Right. Even from from day one, where he wasn't in the lead, from day one to day two to day three, it just felt like he had it. It the just whole time. It, it seemed like it was his tournament to lose the entire 100%. time you know and i couldn't agree with more with what you said it, he was just showing so much confidence he was putting every shot where he wanted it and he was making his putts even the ones that it, you know like his push putts like yeah. he's like i did three of them he said i made them all you know <laughs> like that doesn't happen yeah, I just and it just felt like his day is what he said. It was it was great to watch. I mean, there were a couple of times he threw some errant shows and he or threw threw some errant throws, excuse me, and didn't have anything bad to show for it. Right. And he took advantage of every single one of those situations. Yep. He did not miss the opportunities that were presented to him, and he went out there and he played his game. And he's gonna sit there and tell you, "Well, I don't throw as far as I used to." Bull. Man, <laughs> I throw can. flippier. I throw flippier stuff now than I used to. Okay, just because you have <laughs> a cloud breaker that's slightly flippier than the ones you used to throw, because <laughs> I'm throwing flippier now. Okay, but it's still a cloud breaker. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he said uh, the disc that he threw the most was his FD three. Absolutely, that's... and and that was that played into his game plan, like. Yeah, he said he when felt we like he was throwing about, it on every hole almost. When we talked about how, you know, he just felt like he was in control every shot, and he did a good job of making sure he was. Yeah. He didn't go for the the big, exciting, you know, ridiculous throws unless he absolutely had to, and he did a few times, and they yeah. were beautiful. They, they were, were super fun to watch. But at the same time, he went out there and he played for the win, which is something we don't always see Simon do, you know? Yep, and everybody and loves to just see Simon fun. on a card. They do. Yeah, it was just as it was just as fun to watch him play controlled and competitive as it is to see him play wild and go for the you know eagle on every hole. Right? That's that's part of where I was at. Like, I just enjoy seeing Simon. I don't have to see crazy stuff, right? I like to see his personality, his character on the card. You know, you'll see, and it's this is no shade at anybody else, but like. You'll see everybody else take 20 to 25 seconds to line up their putt and everything like that. Simon will walk up, dick, dick, dick. you know what I mean? Like, dick, dick, dick. and he's always like that. I, it, <laughs> I, yeah. I enjoy that. That's just the way he is. Like, he doesn't take any time. He goes up, can we, he's competent, and he rolls with it. Can we talk about just how much, like, his putting has improved as well? Like, he's mentioned it before, and we knew about it, like, back in Waco, and, and, you know, he had talked about it. He's like, I put so much time into my putting. Yes. And so the, we've seen him a couple of times this year, and his putting has looked really good, maybe a little bit off from time to time. But for the most part, what we've seen that's been off has been his throwing, which was to be expected. You know, we know he hasn't been throwing as much as he used to. Right. And we knew he was a little bit out of practice on his throwing. And... The thing about this tournament was I think he putted as well as he has been putting this whole season, but it was really on display 
simply because he was throwing himself into position on top of putting very well. Yes, putting him in position to score off of those puts. Absolutely. It yeah. wasn't saving pars or yeah, <laughs> tapping okay. saves for pars. That, <laughs> no, that, we're going to get to them. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> okay, we'll get, to, we'll get to that later. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to say, though, I mean, we had outrageously good weeks in terms of predictions overall we both predicted page to win um it got a little scary there at the end right it was a a little scary but we both had page winning you had simon winning i had calvin winning but both of them had simon both of us had simon and calvin in the top three as well that was just which yeah i was you know what a good week for predictions we we did great we honestly did great and for us to like ah yeah i like the crazier, the craziest thing about it is, four years is the last time Simon won an elite series. So, you know, like betting lines wise, could you imagine, like if they done like if you bet on somebody to win, you know his odds were probably against him. Just oh, because, 100%. yeah. So you know we kind of took a risk there, and I believe that gamble would have paid off tremendously. <laughs> um. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, what did you what did you think about Drew Gibson's uh little meme shadow um of him falling after missing that doink put? Did you see that? <laughs> it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. I <laughs> To be such an athletic so hard when I saw it. I replayed it like thirty <laughs> to times. To be such an athletic person, he rolled over like a beanbag. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, What? Just happened. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I was oh, like, huh? <laughs> I don't know if it's just because he's like solid muscle or if like, I, I don't know. It was just like his body just stiffened up and he just rolled over and then come back. <laughs> I mean, it was it was 80% on purpose, but it was still hilarious regardless. I mean, it, was it though? Was it though? Because yeah, yeah. when you, Oh, 100%. He fell on the, purpose? A hundred percent. No. Yes. Watch it again. I promise you. I like I said, man. I replayed that thirty times at least. Why? Right, so he went to kick on it. He went to kick at the basket. Have you ever went to go punt a football and then like just kind of overdo it a little bit and take your other leg out? Yeah, but I've also Charlie Browned on purpose before. When you go to just kick something and fall over. Well, you think you Charlie do it on Brown purpose. done it on purpose? No, but we do it okay, because then, Mr. of Charlie the Brown. But we do it because of Charlie Brown or something like that, where it's just like it's a funny thing. It just it kind of just is an example of your emotions in the moment or whatever. Right. You know, hundred percent. He fell on purpose. I don't know. We're gonna have to do a poll. I need that <laughs> on Twitter stat. Do you think Drew wonder... Gibson fell on purpose? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't think I could put a... I could do a poll real yes. quick. Give me yes. a second. But, oh, no. uh... Down here. Um... <laughs> but, yeah. Um... Yeah. Speaking of infinite, uh, in general, I, I wanted to mention this. Today, I seen where Cole Ridalin ended his partnership with EV7. Yeah. Really? Yes. I had not seen that. Um, that's that's pretty breaking news. Um, 
he said that as uh as far as everybody knows um or as as well as everybody knows that putting is one of the strongest points to everybody's game um and he has found himself struggling with the deeper putters um and he's been uh, he's been using the fee just like you and the fee is not extremely deep is it mm, no it's moderate at most he was calling it a deeper putter and um if you give me just a second i'll bring up the uh the post and i'll read it word for word that way i don't get anything wrong um okay so this is what it says Says, as we all know, putting is a very personal part of the game, and ED7 makes great putters. Over the years, I have trained myself to putt with a beadless, shallow putter. While joining ED7 and making a switch to the fee, I have found that using a deeper rim has become more of a challenge than I expected. Through honest conversations with the ED7 team, we found ourselves at a fork in the road and decided it would be best to walk our separate paths for now. Thank you to everyone at ED7 for your support so far this season. I am truly grateful. Interesting. And just broke it off. Now, um, now the interesting part is you know what he's going to? What? Luna's. Luna's, I, I mean, the fees are a little a bit deeper. shade, maybe? Like, At the most. Now, here's the one thing I will say is, I, I don't know if you remember when I first initially switched to the fee, but um, my issue with it in the very beginning wasn't necessarily that it was deeper than the Luna, but it did have a much more aggressive edge on the inner rim. Right. It was very sharp and pointed, and I did find at the beginning it would catch my finger right here yeah. a lot. I remember um, that. And... Now that is could be something that he's mistaking in the idea of calling it deep, even though it's not, whereas the Luna is much more rounded on that particular edge. Um, and a little more like transparent in the release. Right. But in terms of the actual depth of the flight plate to the rim, it's not that much deeper at all. No. So maybe that's really what he's referring to more so than that. I'm just not sure. But, um, I don't know. He, see, here's the thing is like, I would like to say, that he's he's trying to fall on the putter as an excuse but honestly and i mean in my mind i personally haven't felt like his throwing has been good enough to like if it is some some kind of an excuse for that he's not his performance is down his throwing off the tee and, and on the field has not been great right um so it's very hard for me to give that justification any credence because I wouldn't say that it's really given him worse scores consistently, but I'm also no. not him, and a hundred percent of putting is is the feel, and if it doesn't feel right, then I don't blame him for switching. Right. You know what I mean. And that, and but the only thing is, is like the Mobius. Why would he not try that before switching away from AB seven? Because the Mobius is shallower. We don't know if he didn't try it though. That's true. It's just like. 
I would I would say instead of instead of moving away, why didn't he you know work with a company who's only got a few discs in their lineup at this point? And say, hey, you know, I think that this is too deep. And I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like deep putters. What if we tried to develop something that was a little bit more shallow? Reduce yeah. the glide, bring the shallowness, and then give us all another feel that we don't have in your lineup yet. Right. Why not develop a new putter instead of just saying, you know, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm going I'm to And gonna you go. know they would have. Uh, they're going to eventually. Yeah. It almost makes me feel like there's something deeper that, see, that's there. that's where I'm trying to get at, because I feel the same way. After I heard that he was switching back to the Lunas, which he I also did not see in the comments after I seen this, so I think he took that away. But um, there was a guy who said, "What are you switching to?" And he said, "Probably Lunas." And I, I it just I was like, "Hmm, okay, uh, okay, Lunas," but. Uh, he he still has been very reliant on a lot of his discraft stuff, so you can definitely right. tell that that's just where his comfort lies. So maybe it's it is just a feel thing. Yeah, and I mean he has he has the ability to make that choice given he his does. sponsor, and why not? If you if it's something that you were comfortable with, then maybe you want to move back to something you've had you know comfort with before. As opposed to trying to find something new mid-season, I could understand that as the move. Yeah, I could too. His season hasn't gone the way that he's expected, obviously. Absolutely, and not. he's definitely just ready for a change. So, hopefully, uh, shout out to Cole Rodolin. Hopefully, this is the right move for you, and you know we get to see you up in the standings a little bit more. Yep, I yeah, I sure hope so. Um. Let's see. Is there anything else really MPO wise? Well, you know, let's talk about Aaron Gossage a little bit. I mean, um, the dude can hook a disc. He's, my guy can throw. <laughs> he is one and, of the best throwers that I believe is in the game right now. Yes, and I have to, I have to say something. One of the things that I noticed was it was a very solid performance overall. Yes, we know that, you know, you podium finish at an elite series, you played well. Right. But it wasn't just that, is he relied on his backhand two to three times more often, in my opinion, than what we usually see out of him. And I agree. It was very good. And that was good to see, because when you're a forehand dominant player and you can go out to a course that really requires you to throw big power backhands yep. that you're not as comfortable with and do well doing that... Yep. It bodes well. Bodes very well. I mean, he had some some uh, putting hiccups here and there, but for the most part, you know, he was very solid on the green as well. Um, but really impressed with that performance. I, I think that we are going to continue to see him up there on the leaderboards a lot more often. I agree. Um, another thing that I wanted to point out um, is... Paul Macbeth. Placed, I wanted to talk about this as well. <laughs> placed 19th. He tied for 19th with Kyle Klein, Chris Clemens, um, and Garrett Gerthy. Yes. It's what's happening. Like, I I I understand. I understand that he has a tweak in his elbow or something like that, but. 
he makes he's got money you know what i mean it's he's not out there for the prize money if he needed to take some time off to heal up he would do it i truly feel that i disagree you think he would do why would all right so why would he continue to play if he's hurt the kobe bryant mentality okay that's it i don't need to i i don't feel like i need to explain that it's what we saw out of ricky should ricky have competed this weekend absolutely not he should not have been out there this weekend no he at shouldn't. all but he was there and it's just like it, it, it's the same thing where you know he was very active on on twitter and and a couple other socials this weekend where he basically was saying stuff like how can i when my game feels as good as it is not go out there and try to compete right when you are a born winner and you're a natural winner, that's what you're going to do. And sometimes you're going to know, I don't have my best stuff, but I am a winner and I'm going to go out there and try to win. I get that. <clears throat> I get that. But there's been no explanation, no excuses, no nothing. Well, there, there can't be at this point because we, we went through the season putting him on blast for explaining and now he's backed into a corner where he can't, you know. I but can, I I get that. At the same time, it's like he he is between uh, a rock and a hard place. I I do completely agree, and I just would like to know what's going on because it might not even be an injury. Um, I just like that's a very far, a very long course. So why chance it there? Why not take just one week? Um, I I don't know. It's just a struggle for me to see why. Well, um, he, he's out I mean, there and not doing what his do. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is when you're a competitor of that level, that's that's just your drive. He has the drive to continue doing it, even if he has not gone out there and played well through it, besides one tournament or one round and another tournament um, overall. But, you know, he's got that type of mentality, right? Right. I don't agree with it. I am 100% on the side of if he is not healthy enough to play at 100%, then he should take a break. Um, now I will say he might just be trying to scrap up to Portland before taking a break because it's I don't know. Well, yeah. So you've got Portland on, um, June 2nd, right? Um, and then you have a week off except for, you know, silver series. And then you have June 16th, which is match play. I wouldn't be surprised to actually see him take that off because there's nothing at stake for it, right? Right. It's just, it's there. A yeah. lot of people have fun with it. I'm going to thoroughly enjoy watching the event, but I would not be surprised to see him take that off. Now, you're talking about he gets through June 5th, and then he can actually take a break if he really feels like he needs to, and he doesn't have to play again until June 24th of Preserve. Right. So there could also be a little bit of like, just make it through the stretch. Just make it through the stretch. You get a break. Just make it through the stretch. You know? Yeah. I get so, that. But I, I don't agree with it. If he is hurt, 
I, I think that he should take some time off and, and heal up and recoup. But the Kobe mentality, there are very few people who are born with that type of mentality. Yeah. Right? There are very few people who have the drive that no matter how hard you're hurting, you're going to go out there and you're going to do it. But he's definitely one of those people. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, hopefully he gets everything figured out because um, a winning Paul and in a podium Paul is a good Paul to watch. <clears throat> um, but uh, Ricky played on in a brace. <laughs> um, compression sleeve. Yeah, it was yeah compression sleeve. Um, like copper fit style thing, right? And yeah. uh, probably something a little thicker than that, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still placed fifth. He put together some good rounds. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, again, that that kind of speaks to that desire to go out there and play. When your game, like he said in Twitter, when my game feels this good, even though I'm hurt and I'm not at 100%, I don't know how I could not go out there and play. Right. Right. But we still saw it, you know, just as much out of him as, you know, we have seen – you know, Paul, if he's still struggling with that injury, there's it's it's kind of the same thing. He's thrown some miraculous rounds through that injury. Yeah. And, you know, it's I would would say that it's kind of similar to what we've seen out of Ricky. I mean, pedestrian first round, extra pedestrian second round, third round was miraculously very good. You know, and that's a lot of what we've seen. And but that's the thing is that's what injuries do to you. Right. Yes, you can go out there and you can have a great day through an injury, but more often than not, you're going to have pedestrian or slightly above average days. Right. But the course is not allowing for that anymore. You know, the field does not allow for you to compete through those types of injuries and expect to win. One of the things I wanted to point out was that when you look at what we've had, let's look at the schedule real quick. Who won Vegas Challenge? MPO. Uh, that was Drew. Drew, yeah, you had to give me and a minute. Who, yeah, <laughs> and then Waco was Paul. Paul. Texas State was Ricky. Ricky. Okay, Jonesboro was Calvin. Calvin. DDO was Ricky. Okay, and then you had OTB. Simon. And then, if we really want to put it in there, Champions Cup. Chris. One repeat. And that's Ricky. He, that's that's Ricky. But that speaks volumes to the fact that we are halfway through the season now, and that is the only repeat that we've had. This this field is tough. Right. Yeah. Not it is not hard in Silver Series. It is hard to be number one when you are injured. Right. The field's too tough for that these days. Right. Because Silver Series, and you know you know. Great, yeah, you know. Because uh, Chris has three, but... Yeah, but I, I, you would say, I mean, I'm sorry, Music City's yeah, field was not... Yeah, the field not was deep. not there. However, the Belton's field was completely full, just like an Elite Series. It was. But and that's because everybody was in Waco and Texas States already, so there's like, why, yeah, why yeah. skip it? But And you had Tall Tallahassee that wasn't, you know... Wasn't particularly deep either. A who, lot of dropouts in Tallahassee. Did Paul uh, win that? I, 
I'd have to look at that again. No, that was uh, the bazooka. Oh, Albertam. Yep, you're right. No, Paul won had... Throw Down the Mountain. That's what it was. Yeah. And then you had Master's Cup, which that was one of the more deeps of the Silver Series. Yeah, it as was. Well. Um, but no, no surprise, because you had a week off before, and then Santa Cruz is a couple hours from Stockton, so right. not a big outside-of-the-way type of Silver Series. It was kind of like the belt-in issue. Uh, yeah. Kind of just, it's you're right there. there. You're there. Exactly. You're yeah. already there. You might as well compete. Right. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, these elite series that are posting 115 players and 95% of the best players are all out there, one repeat so far this year. Yep. And that's just that's something that we have not really seen in previous years. And I'm really interested to see how this continues to play out. I think Ricky will win two more. <laughs> I truly do. Um, it's hard. It's hard to say that he won't, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to say that he will. Yeah, I'd I'd bet on one more. I don't know about two more. That was the reason that I said two, because I think one is a given. Um, yeah, I don't, but I don't even know that I would bet on two more because we we go to preserve. Uh, and, and I mean, you also have to consider too. I feel like preserve is Portland. very scorable so i think that opens up a lot of players sure but otb in portland you're gonna have to consider that there's no chris dickerson yep so that's a a little bit of a water down in the field technically i agree um and then if paul ever gets healthy you probably count him on one more as well and then you know there's there's a lot of players who are really playing well i don't think paul wins again this year i think he does there's they, no way he does, and I, I just don't agree. Uh, there's no now, way as far as like I, he might win a silver series, and when it comes to playoffs, anything's game. <clears throat> oh yeah, but I'm not. I'm talking about pre playoffs because it goes. How does it go this year? Does it go playoffs then USDGC, um, or, or is USDGC right before playoffs? So it goes Maple Hill, USDGC, and then Pro Tour Championship. Okay. So it is. It is after. So Yeah. But, I mean, you also have to consider that... I will never count Paul out at USDGC. <laughs> no. And, and to be honest, you have to also consider that three of the courses he plays phenomenally well at consistently are still left open on the course, including the Great Lakes Open, Des Moines Challenge, he's performed very well, and Green Mountains, you know... Those are courses he's dominated at some point in time in, in yeah. his career. So those are, you know, those are places that you expect him to be podium. Chris has also dominated the Green Mountain. Um, yes. Des Moines. Des Moines still, like, newer. It's kind of newer. That was the one with Rathbun on it last year that got second, right? Rathbun yeah. almost took Paul to the playoff. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Um seems like I watched that just the other day. <laughs> I like yeah. it just it came on after one. Um, it doesn't feel that long ago. It doesn't. Um, no, but that was that was uh Paul Calvin and and Gavin and one, Raven two, Newsom. Yes. I remember it well, I did watch that one. <laughs> I did watch that one. Um but I I would not be surprised. So you have I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ricky take one more, Paul take one more, 
and the rest that are left are all people we either haven't seen yet or maybe chris gets one more and I that's think, not including majors. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm never going to count anybody out at Worlds, especially not Paul no, or Ricky. I'm not counting. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not counting Worlds either because, <clears throat> to be honest, I would love to see Calvin win Worlds. All right, that's 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 where I think. Um, I would love to see Chris win Worlds. Um, those two are the two that are in the top four with Ricky and Paul that have not got that title yet. Right. Um, as far as USDGC goes, I would like to see Ricky get it because he that's something that he could add to his legacy. But, yeah, like, like you said, I'm not counting anyone out at majors at all because it's a different level of competition. It's a different level of focus. People right. put everything in all of everything everything into what they have and how they play right so because when we when we look at it i mean we have our season our pro tour season and although majors are not the playoffs you know we have a playoff and a pro tour championship right but when push comes to shove worlds is the world series you know yep um champions cup is the super bowl um the Euro the European Open um is the NBA finals, right? Right. We have a playoff for the pro season, but it's still never gonna be anywhere close to what is coveted like the majors. Yeah. And so that brings, like you said, that brings a different mindset for all of the players. I agree. Yeah, for sure. That's got me excited for worlds. It's just right around the corner. Yeah, it, just, it certainly does feel like it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, it's in August this year, right? Yeah, I believe so. Something like that. It's it's not far. Yeah, last weekend of August. In DDO. Yeah, because last year it was really early. Yeah, it was in June. It was because there were there were a lot of complaints about how early it was last year. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see it a little later this year. Yeah. So that pulls it up or pulls it back all the way to August. Uh, the European Open is the mid-season major in July. Okay. So that's... Um, that's happening at the same time Idlewild is, correct? No, absolutely not. They would never schedule a Pro Tour during a, uh, during a major. So Idlewild's Ju uh, July 8th. No, I thought it was uh, like the week right before it. Oh, two weeks after. Okay, so it's two weeks after. So, yeah, so the European Open is July 21st. Because I was hearing people say that they were going to just play Idlewild and skip the European Tour, or U European Open. I don't... Yeah, I, so... I guess the, it's just biggest, a travel thing, probably. The biggest turnaround from the European is coming back for the Great Lakes Open. Yeah. Because that is the week after, which I don't agree with. I thought they should have spaced that one week, especially... It should probably, like, required. like, a two weeks and a two week. To be honest, yeah, I, since it's a major, I think it should develop that. Um, it's earned that, and it have silver series for you know. Yeah, and it's like, not even that it. It's not even that like being a major, and it's earned that. It's also that it's so far out of the way. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just. It's not just you know you played like you know you played your major in in Applin, and then you made your way a couple hundred miles. You know, yeah. you're traveling halfway around the world for this tournament. Right. Also, are they playing Yarva? 
I haven't checked. I, I would like to know the court because is, is it Kona Piste? That uh, that was the last European Open, right? In two thousand eighteen. Uh, no, there should have been a European in twenty nineteen as well. They do it every two years. In twenty twenty, they canceled it because of COVID. Uh, let me look. They don't have the course posted yet, but I'm sure it's at the Beast. Yeah. Is that part of Yarva, or no? I can't remember. Because I don't know. I've just heard Yarva so much, but I don't think I've actually ever seen it played. Yeah, it's at the Beast. Uh, this is the Legendary Beast, which is an extensively modified layout of the Nokia Disc Golf Park. Nokia. Hmm. Interesting. That'd be a good one to watch. Hopefully Simon can go over there and uh, hold it down. The 2022 edition of The Beast will be revealed at the end of May or early June 2022. So we should actually start seeing, we should see something about the layout in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be cool. Get a little course review on it. That'd be, that'd be nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to do that since, you know, there's going to be that two-week break before it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Speaking of courses, let's bring it back home to OTB. Okay. Because I have to tell you what. I tell you what. Nobody really loves the idea of golf ball golf courses on the tour. This is hands down, in my opinion, the best one we've seen. Like, and not talking about old abandoned courses like Preserve, where it's, you know, it used to be a golf course and now it's, you know, 100% been transitioned. Or something like that. I'm talking temporary courses that are being put up for these events on a ball golf course. I mean, uh, Portland Open has some massive shoes to fill now because of what OTB has done. I agree. OTB was actually so difficult that it was so fun to watch. There, it, the fairways for disc golf were made outside of the fairways of regular golf which that was such a good concept to use they right. used the land that they had available there and made it beautiful um there was like one complaint that i could kind of see and it was this is not the course's fault at all this is commentary fault um but, um, you know, as, as you're spectating or you're watching live, you don't really know where the landing zone is, right? Right. Um, because if Simon threw a shot and it was great, they would say, oh, yeah, that's a really good shot. Well, Aaron would throw a shot and be, you wouldn't even see Simon's disc, Right. It's like, oh, that's a really good spot too. Well, well, where's the where where do you need to be? Like, where's the ideal landing zone? And they did this on one hole over there by the water. Um, I don't know what hole it was, but um, that was the one where you had the big bush on the back side, and you could land on the right side, and there was a path. You could land on the left side on the path. Now, I want to point out. I know, I, I know which one you're talking about. If you look at the T sign. 
the T sign does actually show both routes as a viable option. Oh, I so agree. I think that's something that you know that really, like you said, it comes down to the commentary. That's not what I'm saying. Themselves so well because the but course the has is, it. You know what I mean? That's right. the commentary's job to say, okay, he chose this route, and this is just as good of a play. Some some may say that this line is a little bit more difficult. You know, blah blah blah, and and kind of lead into a story about it. You know, why the right. course is done like this, why they designed the hole this way, that way they could give different players the ability to create a shot rather than, yeah. oh, it's, it's pretty good position in there. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a lot, a lot left unturned, I guess. Right. And some of that also comes down to, like, when you look at, you know, how they introduce the hole and, and you know, kind of talk about it yes and you know you might have your drone fly over for example well the drone can only take one of the two or three available routes on any given hole yep um but you, you know as as a commentator that's your job to explain like well the drone is is flying this way but there's also a very viable 100 meters to the right of this or 100 meters to the left of this like that's yeah but i i want to say that they did that more than once on that course in terms of creating multiple lanes to throw mm-hmm. through um and have different landing zones that had different punishments if you if you missed exactly and Um, i love that but and they all required the same difficulty level of shot to perform just one of them might have been the forehand line one of them might have hit in the backhand line but everybody had options exactly it's very similar to like the way we talked about the the music city open where there's a lot of lines but it forces you to choose one and stick to it and commit to it if you go out there and you're like, I think that forehand's the play, but you're in your mind, you're still thinking maybe I should have gone backhand. You throw that forehand, you don't commit to it, you're going to get punished. Yep. And I love those type of courses. I do. I, that's the best disc golf to watch is because it kind of gives, uh, for instance, um, I know it didn't really play out like this uh, this past weekend, but Aaron Gossage's forehand is unreal. All right, it is. It's very good. Um, Simon Lazat, his backhand is so good. It it's so yeah. good. They could have attacked the same hole at a different way, and ended up in completely different sides, and still had great shots because of good course design. It allows right. the player's strengths to show while still being difficult to make them have to execute their strength. Right. If a course can do that, they deserve a five-star rating. Like, they do. And I have to say, one of the things that I really loved about watching it, even though it was on a ball golf course, was that at no time throughout the entirety of this entire tournament did we see somebody throw a roller that just traveled down a ball golf course fairway the whole way. Yep. Yep. Were there rollers? Trees? Yeah. yeah, had to there, cut through trees. There were trees. a ton of rollers, but they offset going from you know one side of the you you were you know you might have been throwing across two or three different ball golf course fairways. And let me tell you what: when you have to throw through the rough, when you have to throw through the trees that line the sides of every fairway and the ball golf course, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you have to do that, you have to make that decision: is this roller really going to be worth it? There were a lot of really interesting rollers that we saw. I mean, how many times did we see somebody throw a roller and fall down because they had to put it get on it such down. an they extreme? Had to get it down, yeah. 
Because sometimes it wasn't even that they had to get it down. They had to warp the disc essentially around a specific line to get it out to their roller angle that they were looking for. It wasn't just, oh, throw a big high arcing turnover that turns into a roller and then travels down a ball golf fairway for 400 meters. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, the in- ingenuity um, of the design while keeping the integrity of what we expect from high level disc golf was immaculate. Yes. Um, so speaking of this, I, this is something that I had brought up. Um, you remember how last week I was like, you should do the course preview of what roller shot or whatever. Yeah. You remember that? Um, yeah, and I never got around to it because I couldn't, there was nothing like. There wasn't really, yeah, there, there wasn't really a hope. Um, uh, so what I was going to ask to kind of fill in that slot is on the whole pro tour that played at OTB Open, who do you think had the best rollers out there? Um, I, I don't know. My I, pick. I wasn't, so I wasn't tallying it, so I can't. I, I don't think I could give an educated answer. Well, it doesn't have because, to be educated. I just want uh, something that stood out to you. I mean, Ricky threw a couple that just blew my mind, honestly. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of them. Like, the thing is, is that they were used so much farther, f- fewer and farther in between than we usually see on a ball golf course yeah. that I wasn't paying attention to it. I was, I was paying much more it attention to the results of the shots. Them. Exactly. Yeah. So I, nice. I can't. I can't even say that I have a good answer because I wasn't I wasn't thinking of it. Well, I have two pretty good answers. So like, um, sure, I'll let you I'll let you take one of those answers and plaster it to my name. All right. Well, I'll give you A B then because Anthony Brella laid down some <laughs> of he laid down the shot of the tournament. It was insane. It cut twice. Yeah. It cut twice. Like discs yeah. don't do that. It was literally like it. I, I don't. I don't know. It stood back up. I'm pretty sure I know which one you're talking about. And the funny thing was, is I don't know if you've watched the. Uh, he parked it for eagle. Yeah, but I don't know if you've seen the doubles match that Brody did with AB and Drew Gibson yet. Mm-mm. But I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, he he threw the same roller. On, um, on one of those holes in that practice round, and just absolutely flopped it <laughs> so the See? fact that he went out there and and, and did and that did it or and Eagle, executed because yeah. i know which Target, one you're ta- i remember yeah. which one you're talking about now because i was I, even i was watching it like it just like it's like it curled up around the base of the basket at the end yeah. of it and you're like how did it even get there right it had to cut so far right but it it cut right and then stood back up straight and then cut right back around the basket again i'm like yeah don't how did you do that, you mind-controlling person, you? But no, me, um, my answer is Ella Hansen. Ella has some of the nicest rollers that I've yeah. ever seen, like, just in general. She has, yeah, it's... she can do the high Annie roller. She can do the overstable roller. She can do the flippy low roller, the throller. Like, she, her, the, I don't know... Exactly. I guess she's from Colorado. Is that that correct in me saying that? Um, but possibly she has got rollers down to a T. That you can tell that she has that as a strong strong point in her game. 
Um, yeah. And it's it's nice to see it too because mm-hmm. I mean in the past really the only player on FPO side that we see consistently go to a roller when they think it's necessary is Katrina. Is Katrina and she's good at um, it too. Don't get me wrong. She, but... she is good, but it's nice to see FPO adding that new element to their game because I think we're going to see a lot more people. I think you know, so too. Kind of pushing toward towards yeah. that. Um, but yeah, she was you know phenomenal. I'm not going to lie. Which is amazing too, because you're talking about the long one of the longest air shot throwers. Yeah, and you know she doesn't really need the distance on most of the FPO courses with the rollers, but she still practices them and is in implementing them. And yep. I'm gonna say if if Portland is you know not overtly modified from what we've seen in previous years, watch out for Ella next week or yeah. two weeks. I mean, right. one of the things that stood out to me is. Um, one of the holes that they had to throw a roller on, it was the same T-pad as the MPO. Uh, there were several of these holes that had the same T-pad and basket. Um, it was interesting to me because Ricky was about 60 feet long um, to, the, to the basket. Ella was 130 feet long. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Oh my god. She just threw a five hundred and eighty foot roller. Like what? How did you get there? <laughs> she's she gets up there, she's like, I threw it too good. I threw too good. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. But uh yeah. So anyways, still just overall brilliant brilliantly done um by everybody who worked on, on that course. Yeah, uh, kudos to you. Even even some pros came out and said, you know, um i'm not the biggest fan of ball golf courses but course designers take notes this has been one of my favorites yeah Uh, and i even went so far as to put out a poll because i was like why not (laughs) of course and so i just i just asked for anybody who's watched otb now that you've seen the course for three days how do you feel about the overhaul from 2021 um because i'll be honest i hated the 2021 layout i thought it was awful (laughs) um and my options were so much better it's a little better i guess uh not better at all and it's a ball golf course right <laughs> right <laughs> and 54 percent uh voted for so much better than 2021 there were 35 percent that voted for it's a little better i guess and then 11 percent it's a ball golf course right. which i put that option on there for a reason because you know that there's still going to be somebody out there who says yeah it was better but it's a ball golf course right but it didn't. But I thought that was. It didn't give the vibe of a golf course. That's no. what I liked. No, absolutely not. Um, we had, you know, a couple of people kind of comment back. One, one of our commenters said, uh, "I suppose it's one of the better ball golf courses, but I still feel like it's anonymous. I can't think of a single memorable hole, and I feel like I've forgotten it as soon as I turn off coverage." I have to say, I agree with the idea. Um, as yeah. beautiful as the course was as a whole and as well designed as it was overall, it did seem to lack a signature hole or a flagship to like stand around. Right. One of the things we've talked about a couple of times this year is having a hole on the course where you can just set up a still camera and just watch people throw at it. Yeah. And this course doesn't feel like it has a hole for you to do something like that. So if that's something that we're going to move towards, which I really hope we are, that course needs that. Yeah. So that is one one improvement that they need to make. Um, but I had one somebody else. Twenty is much better. Yeah, 
Uh, I had some uh, one person say, I liked it. I liked last year's layout. Uh, I 100% understand and often agree with the ball golf course argument. Uh, I do think this year's layout was better. It was much more te uh, technical, and that's generally a good thing, obviously. Yes. You know, anytime you can add technicality to a ball golf course, you're doing a good thing. Yes. Um, one of the, and then, you know, one of the things that we had mentioned, I had another commenter say, uh, I think it's just about as good as a ball golf course can get. Uh, you needed fantastic touch to score here, and it's not a roller fest. Yes. There was plenty I mean, of rollers, but they wasn't a roller. It wasn't a roller fest. It was definitely, no. hey, do you want to get, how aggressive do you want to be? You know, yeah, you I go. mean, because how, how many times have we watched, you know, cards with, I, I, I mean, when you get out there and you watch a card like Paul, Eagle, and Ricky all walk up there and all throw a roller down the same fairway, when you have somebody like Eagle who throws farther than any human being out there. Yep. And he's still throwing rollers because it's obviously the only, like, really good option. Yes, the it's only just, good way to score, right? I love rollers as much as the next guy, but I don't want to see it every shot. I agree. This this course allowed for ingenuity, um, a showing of technical skills, and allowed people to play to their strengths and still have a chance to score decently well. Yep. I liked it. All right, well, um, you want to play a little discussing game? Let's do it. All right, let's see here. I'm going to let you go first since I have my disc ready. Got it. Yeah, let me double check. <clears throat> let me double check real quick and make sure that I got the numbers right. Yeah, I'm going to pull mine up real quick do, while you're do, do. saying that. <laughs> da, 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 da. Don't worry, guys. We're still here, I promise. Yes. We haven't taken a break yet. <laughs> At least I don't think so, right? No. Yeah, we haven't. Okay. We are good. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Got it. Uh, and I'm glad I looked it up because I would not have guessed those numbers. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yes. That, that kind of scares me because that makes me think that it's going to be hard. Yes. There's no way I would have guessed that. Um, but yeah. So you let me know when you're ready. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. All right. Three, two, one, go. Innova. No. Trilogy. No. MVP. No. Discraft. No. DGA. No. Okay. Uh, Millennium. No. D uh, Discmania. Yes. Driver. No. Midrange. Yes. MD1, MD2, MD3. Yeah, you got it. MD1. Um, uh, do you know the numbers on an MD1? Uh, MD1 is 5500. 5600. 
is this the new one or the old one? The old one. Oh, uh, it's five five zero one or five five zero two, I think. Weird. Five five zero three. Four four zero two. Oh, that's right. the uh, The old MD one was slower. Yeah, You're right. I forgot. Uh, because I don't know why I was thinking of the old, the original MD, which I think is five five zero two. Yeah, that's kind of wild. That kind of. I forgot the MD one was a four speed. Kind of. It shocked me when I looked that up because I totally thought it was five five zero one. The that's, new that's one is what I thought. I think the new one's five five zero zero. Yeah, if I remember correctly, um, which I'm still mad that hasn't hit full production. And if it never hits full production, I'm gonna rage. Yeah, because I want. One. I mean, Simon was oh, throwing his man. new one all over the place. That's what he threw yeah. in for Eagle. Yeah, let's. Well, now I, I gotta look it up just to be sure that it's not in full production. No, I know it's not in full production because I just checked like a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but they hadn't even announced like it would be dropping. Yeah, no, and the PD is what they're focusing on right now. It dropped today. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, so the new one is five six zero zero. Five six zero zero. It sounds wonderful. I want it so bad. I know it sounds so good. I want so it good. so bad. Ugh. I want it. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize up front. This one's gonna be hard. Why do you always? I give you easy ones. I'm gonna start bringing out some hard ones. I mean, it might not be hard. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> you uh, let me know when I can go. I'm gonna pull my timer up. I have to fix my timer too because I was using it for something else the last time, and the time's wrong. All right, tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Innova. No. Discmania. No. Trilogy. No. Prodigy. No. DGA. No. Discraft. No. Um, any subset of Innova. No. Um, I'm missing. I'm missing a big one or something. You are missing a big one. Uh, I already said trilogy. Said Innova, Discraft, Discmania, MVP. MVP. Um, driver. Yes. Um, distance driver. Yes. Um, thirteen speed or higher. Yes. Thirteen and a half speed. No. Just 13 speed. No. 14 speed. No. 14 and a half. I'll give it to you. 14 and a half. Insanity? Five seconds. No. Tenacity? No. Um. That's time. One more narrower. Okay. Um. I don't know. Is it, um, I can't really ask that. I guess I can. Is it MVP, Axiom, or Streamline? Uh, it's, it's MVP. I would have told you if it was a subsidiary at the beginning, so I'll give you another question. Okay. Understable? Yes. So, um... It's the disc you just got. 
Yes. Starts with an R. Also, yes. Um, but I don't remember the name of it. I don't remember how to say it. Um, free. Think of. Think of MVPs like theme when they talk about things. So like proton plastic. Yeah. So like they kind of have that big like science and yeah, physics like thing. they go tenacity, insanity, the free guy. Think- Remedy. Uh, that would have been a good name. Um, <laughs> uh, re- Relativity. That's it. Boom. Ah, got it. Relativity, baby. How do you like it? I haven't thrown it yet. Oh, yeah. I haven't, it yet. I haven't been on a course that's big enough for me to trust a 14 speed that's supposedly a negative three turn with a 1.5 fade. (laughs) Right. That's a big open air kind of, kind of throw. And I just don't, I haven't been on that course lately. I want to see it. I want to see it. I'm scared. I'm scared to throw it. (laughs) Hasn't even been like, it's been in my, it's been, I bet it's not as understable as it says. Maybe, but it's I, pretty, I don't know. Pretty domey, but it's not pop toppy. But I feel like it's just got a little, lot of glide. It's like a soft pop. Yeah. Yeah, it's just flexy. Yeah. So it's got it's like a slightly flat on the top dome, mm-hmm. but it does definitely have a good dome, and it is very like it has like a little bit of like a right, just, just like a barely, pop, but not a true like pop top. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would say that it isn't as understable as I think, only because, I don't know, I've always felt like MVP tends to fly a lot truer to that turn number than a lot of other discs do. So a negative three with a 1.5 fade is definitely going to be understable. I just, not the two that I have. That I, the two that I want up there, um... They're both, it's eight, eight, five, negative two and a half, one, and then, uh, nine, five, negative two, two, right? Yeah. And both of them are meat hooks. Like, but I've thrown, I've thrown your, you know, like your tenacity before. Yeah. It's very true. I feel like it's very true. Yeah. But I mean, the first time that I threw it, it was. It was much more understable than I had expected because I kind of ran through that same thought process. Like, oh, it's probably not as understable as I think it is. Right. And I threw it, and I almost turned it into a roller. Right. That's that's my fear with this is that I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it and it's gonna turn into a roller on me. And I'm like, I just I haven't been on the I have two or three courses that I could throw this on and just like rip on it and not have to worry. Right. One of the courses actually has a giant like, it has like two full sized soccer fields. Yeah. Um and I could get out there and and rip on it out there just to see what it does. I'm imagining that it's going to be like what a turn is before it's beat in because it's new. So I'm assuming it's going to be like my turn except not quite as flippy since my turn's a G star. Right. Yeah, I can see that. But All right. I'm excited to throw it when I get a chance. Heck yeah. All right, well good guesses. Um yeah. That's uh that's about all I got. 
Um, I did want to bring up, I don't know if you've had the chance. Um, have you seen, did you see what I posted about the whole Burt Kreischer thing? A little bit of it, yeah. Where he was on Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. um, so I listened to the entire Joe Rogan podcast today, which was four hours long. Yeah, um, that's a task. But Don't get I me just, wrong. I like listening to Joe Rogan as much as the next, next guy, but some of those episodes are a downright task. Yeah. Well, anyways, this one was pretty good. It was, it was out. I just, oh, that hurt. Um, it was good. Um, but I just felt like there was something else about disc golf that they clipped out that they didn't put in there. So I right. wanted to go listen for myself. Turns out there was. Um, Bert Kreischer is planning on putting together a tournament, a big tournament, million dollar really? tournament. Wow. All right. Joe Rogan is planning on putting together a million dollar tournament. Whew. Yeah. And he said, he was saying to Bert, he's like, you don't understand what you could do for this sport. You know, he, cause he kept asking, he's like, I've known people that play and the other guy, the, the Joe's producer plays. Right. And he's like, I know people that play. He's like, but why isn't it mainstream? You know? And he's like, it, if, you know, he's like, it's kind of like pool in my opinion to where pool is so fun when you get good at it. But the difference with pool than disc golf is that people of all ages can play it right without any kind of setbacks or holdbacks really um you know it's it's very inexpensive to get into there's no real the community is way better than the pool community supposedly i don't know i don't play pool yeah i've only played like casual pool yeah, i know same. i know how i i've heard it can get very toxic yeah but yeah, that's kind of the way he was talking about it. But he was like, he's gonna get a TV show to air it, um, whether it be ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, CBS, NBC, something. He said, I, you know, I'll get Amazon to do it if I have to or something. But I that just imagine if he was to follow through with that, like what it what it could do, right. Would it not be a huge, huge boom? Um, I don't know. I it, it's a hard thing to pin down. Is it going to increase the volume of intake immediately? Yes. How much? I don't know. Because it's going to increase the intake volume. Is it going to increase increase a sustained uh, intake volume? That is always yet to be seen. Right. You know what I mean. Because the thing is, is like it would have to be something that he brought up on more than one occasion to increase the sustainability of of that increase. Right. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that it, it is what it is, I guess. But the one thing that I can guarantee you is that the more money that gets put into the sport in terms of events and payouts, yep. the more it is, it will be seen. Yes. That is 100% true and accurate. There is no question about that. 
Um, when disc golf starts seeing those types of monies put into events like the the numbers you're talking about, those types yeah. of figures, that means that it is going to be watched simply for the money that you're going to see, you know, won. Right. Um, Bert was saying that his tournament, he's going to try to do a two, it's his, cause Bert runs a podcast as well as he is a comedian. Um, right. but it's two bears, one cave is what his podcast is called. And he said that he's going to do the two bears, one, one cave invitational at Innova's course in Hawaii. Mm. And he said that he would hand fly all of the players that he invited out. And they play for a million dollars. That's wild. Yeah, that is wild, right? The question is, if you're going to go through that much effort, are you going to call you know DGN up and get them out there? I don't think so. I think it's like they're trying to go above DGN. Yeah, you think they're going to get ESPN on, on in on this? Yeah, that's what they were saying. Like ESPN, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, Amazon. Yeah. That would be interesting. I think Amazon would be huge. I do too. Um, That's ESPN something that Amazon be... could pick up and really take under their wing, I feel like. Yes. Uh, I, I can't say too much about ESPN. Um, you know, when we look at what we have seen on ESPN or what we have seen on CBS thus far, it's been met with, you know, fairly mixed reviews. It's never hit a good time slot before. Right. Um, so it's really hard to say. But Amazon. Amazon's always an interesting one because it doesn't necessarily need to be at the best time slot. Nope. You know, and it's always accessible. Yeah. It's always streamable. That's that's the cool thing about Amazon. So I don't, I don't know. That's just something to think about that it could potentially happen. So, um, and he's very good friends with Ben Askren and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't know. That's something I'm definitely going to try to keep as much information yep. on as I possibly can, so I yes, guess I'm going to start that... listening to Two Bears, One Cave as well. <laughs> You've never listened before? I've listened to it before, but oh, okay. I'm not like a everyday listener like I am to the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, it's a little long-winded for me. Um, a lot of their episodes tend to go a little bit too long for me to listen, but a lot of times I'll, I'll listen for like the first hour or so. Yeah. Yeah, today I was like, it threw me all out of my rhythm. Because I I usually listen to every disc golf podcast every day, um, and then by that time I end my day with Pat McAfee, and then on to the next day. Yeah, yeah. So today I was like, oh wow, I got a lot to catch up on tomorrow. But you know, it is what it is. But I think that would be something really cool to see. Yeah, I I know I've seen a couple of tweets go back and forth between Bert and Innova and a couple of other people. So yeah, uh, I definitely think that the ball is rolling very well. I do too. Um, so I don't think this isn't just like a pipe dream that they're like, "This is what I want to do." It's the ball is moving. Mm-hmm. You know, this is rolling downhill right now. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if there's any any obstructions that get in the way while it's rolling. But but right now the ball is rolling. Yeah, now I'm excited, and. If you're a disc golfer out there, you should be excited as well. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Um, you want to do picks for the Portland Open? No, we could save that for for next week. Okay. We'll have I to think. have something to talk about. 
Yeah, we're going to have to have something. Next week will probably be a, a little bit of a shorter episode. Yeah. You're coming back from vacation. I don't know how busy I'm going to be that weekend. Yeah. We may come up with uh, maybe – we might. I might try to put together a game. Something um, or other. A game, and we'll try to get us a guest for next week. See if um, we can't get somebody. Yeah. See if they'd be interested. But, all right, I'm good. Are you good? Yeah, I think uh, I think I am. Um, sorry, everybody, for starting so late tonight. Yep. Uh, being a little a little unorganized, but yep. uh, we just had some stuff going on and and wanted to make sure that the podcast still got done. Uh, so if you've listened all the way to this point, we thoroughly appreciate you. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks for the loves, the shares, the likes, the ratings. If you're listening at a later date, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, pretty pretty excited. Yes. About things things to come, and a lot of good disc golf that's going to be had for the rest of this year. But that's I am right. kind of glad, as much as it you know sucks that we're kind of starting to get into this point where we're going to have you know a week where we just don't have much to talk about a little more often over the next you know few weeks. Yeah. Um, got a lot of big big events coming very mm-hmm. soon. That's right. It's going to be a wild summer. It will not be stale. Mm mm. But, again, congratulations to Simon and Paige on their wins at OTB. Um, Thanks to everybody that listens. Uh, We will see you guys next week. Uh, We'll try to keep you posted on who we might have as a guest if we can get someone lined up. Everybody have a wonderful night, a great day tomorrow. Have a wonderful weekend. And whenever you're listening to this, just know that we appreciate you. And we will see you all next round. Thanks, Johnny. See you later.